0: What is up, gang? How's everyone doing? Welcome back to the Half Dozen Hospitality Podcast. I am your host, Brad Bodnerchuk, and I'm super excited to have you guys back for another installment of Coming Home to Hospitality. This series I've put together in partnership with Nova Scotia Tourism as I took part in their program called Creator Coast that saw me driving around. Wow what I think was the entire island of Cape Breton Island meeting some of the most genuine, uh, interesting, welcoming and hospital people that I that I had ever met and it's made for some fantastic content here in the podcast and I feel so lucky that I was able to do it so thank you to the team over at Nova Scotia Tourism. This week you're gonna hear me sit down and chat with Sherry Swift from Gra. Now I'll just tell you, driving to Gra, I was sure I was in for a surprise, and I was. This quaint little restaurant on this beautiful little farm down this dirt road is is such an experience, and I was so lucky to have an opportunity to sit down and learn more about what Gra is from Sherry. Sherry has a true vision and a true passion for what she's doing, and it was an honor to sit down and facilitate her telling her story on this platform to you guys and also hearing it myself firsthand. I know you guys are going to enjoy it, so I'm going to leave you to it. Sit back and relax this episode with myself and Sherry Swift from G- Gra and Cape Breton. Okay, that, that is going to stop in about a half hour, which will be good. We'll do a little like break and come back. Generally, we do between 45 minutes and an hour of, of chatting. That's okay. cool with you. Uh, we are already recording, so welcome to the Half Dozen Hospitality Podcast, Sherry Swift.
1: Thank you for coming and having me. Oh my
0: God, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um I've been as I said to you, I've been kind of travelling all over this beautiful part of our province here in Cape breton, and today I find myself where
1: at gras which Ross is ferry ross ferry yes um Kempted Road
0: cheempted road uh where would we be on the uh, on the island are we north south east west middle centre? Um, bottom top i think
1: we're kind of middle middle lower but kind of generally middle okay we're actually almost just right across from Badek. oh so you've been staying in Badek. yes sometimes uh, your gps will tell you that you're i'm only 15 minutes away from you in (laughs) Badek. so people sometimes are a little bit off traveling right um but that's across the water oh okay yeah
0: yeah so you can't take your vehicle across there
1: well i do have a dock
0: Oh, oh, wow. So you
1: could have come by boat.
0: Mm, it's not in the budget yet, unfortunately, <laughs> but maybe next year when I come back, I'll, I'll come on a boat. Um, first off, I want to say thank you so much for uh, having me here today because I know you're exceptionally busy running your business and doing and running your farm and doing everything else that yep, you no do. Yeah, no problem. Um, but I, I'm a big believer that the most valuable thing that we all have is time. So I want to say, first off, thank you so much for yours Giving it to me and listeners, it means the world to me. So thank you for that so much. Thank you. So as you and I have spoken on the phone once, uh, traded some emails, I really don't know a bunch about you. You really don't know much about me. So if you can indulge me and listeners, let us know who you are, what you do, and why you do what you do.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, um, Sherry Swift, that's my name. (laughs) I moved here about uh, three years ago, purchased this farm. It's a 150-acre farm, Um, and I didn't plan when I purchased it to open a restaurant, Um, renovated the farmhouse, um, did a lot of the work myself, had a couple of guys come in and knock some walls out, Um, and then woke up one morning and thought, I'm going to turn this place into a restaurant, grow my own food. I've always been agricultural oriented okay and um yeah got myself a tractor (laughs) (laughs) love my tractor i have people that actually follow me on instagram because of the tractor okay and um, her name's jane fonda and um (laughs) uh, yeah and i try to do about 80 percent of the food that we serve in the restaurant mm-hmm. grown here this year we added some uh, meat birds and we're we will be adding some pigs okay. to the menu pork to the menu so that's kind of new um and we're kind of about uh a good experience you know when people right. come here i want it to be a food memory in your head that when you leave here you're going to remember this Restaurant this evening that you spent here for years and years and years. I love that. So I put a lot of time into, um, you know, doing a little bit of extra things. You know, flowers, I have a chalkboard. People, people come here for special occasions. We have a lot of people that celebrate anniversaries, birthdays, graduations. Okay. Um, so I kind of try and go a little bit... I do a little extra so that when they come here, it's, it's a little extra special for them. Amazing. And they appreciate that. I've, I've really seen that the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. They, they appreciate that, the little extra. And um, I want people that visit the island that are tourists, which we don't have this year, but hopefully next year things will be a little bit back to normal. Yeah. I want them when they visit the island that when they leave here, they leave here with a, an extra special memory.
0: Amazing. Yeah that's uh a lo- a lo- sorry go ahead finish it oh off. i was
1: just gonna say a lot of our memories are mm. you know it, our food memories
0: oh my god yeah i mean i think we could do a whole we could do <laughs> seven hours on the importance of food and culture and memories yeah. and and
1: things you remember when you were younger and you don't just remember the food you remember the sun was shining you remember sitting on the grass you remember the charcoal barbecue mm-hmm. you remember what you were eating yeah it's all uh part of the experience yeah so i want to send people away with that
0: that is and can be at sometimes a very lofty goal.
1: Uh, not really, no. No? Because okay. I, I think I, I think when people come here, they don't feel like they're at a restaurant right off the bat. Oh, no, for sure. When you pull in the driveway, you don't feel like you're at a restaurant. You're at a farm. You're at your grandmother's farm. Right. You're at, you know, when you were younger, you, were, you visited a farm or you knew somebody who lived on a farm. And when people are here, um, they don't act like they're in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I've got people that don't know each other at different tables all yeah. of a sudden you know getting together conversing that doesn't happen at a regular restaurant true it actually uh, surprised me when i first opened i asked said to myself why why are people doing this why yeah. are they you know talking and interacting but it's because they don't feel like they're at a
0: yeah so i guess when I, when I said it's a lofty goal i think i think a lot of restaurant operators chefs Managers, etc. They set out with that goal in mind. Like they want to be, we want to be part of a memory. We want to help create memories, and it's difficult because they're doing so many different things, and maybe just their space doesn't allow for it to happen organically. Whereas I feel like not having experienced a meal here yet, which I will do tomorrow. Yes, um, it, it's probably it's it's a lot of what you do and have done in this space but it probably is just this space it's just it is different it, it is, is it is it is a it is for all intents and purposes a home right <laughs> it is. so it, it, it is. kind of it kind of lends itself to right away without much effort on That's your right. part of having to do this or do that it kind of happens like it i said happens yeah. yes, it happens naturally yes as absolutely you, as soon as you enter into the restaurant i mean you drive up the driveway it's not a typical it's not paved there's no. <laughs> it looks like a wagon no, path. Yeah, there's no like yellow strips tell you where to park. So nope. right away, it's it's beginning in your mind to feel different. I think. Yep.
1: I, yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's I, I I don't think that was an idea that I was trying to. It wasn't accomplish. conscious. It wasn't necessarily conscious. I, it was like a subconscious. It just thing. happened. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw it happen, and I I asked myself why why did that mm-hmm. happen. That's but pretty special, yeah, I think it is.
0: Uh, I have to ask gras, what is it? What are you saying with gras? What does it mean? why gras
1: um I just wanted a very short name when I was choosing the name okay. um and Gras is Gaelic for love, oh okay. and actually, strangely enough, I didn't think of it when I chose the name, but my name is spelled differently sherry C-H-E-R-I-E, yes. mm-hmm. which is French for. Mon Cheri love as oh,
0: well. Look at that. <laughs>
1: but that wasn't planned, but. It's all attached. Yeah, so it, yeah. It's it, all connected. Yeah, it, it kind of connected itself.
0: So you were describing to me uh, when I was rudely on my phone earlier, sending an email before we turned the mics on. <laughs> you were describing to me the menu for tomorrow night, which would be, I'm assuming, similar to the menu that you'll do most times, in that not necessarily the products, but the process that you go through where you. Yes. You are f- literally farming everything you can that you're going to put on the yes. plates for service. You're doing innovative things with maple syrups and barrels that we used to have whiskey in them and all yes. these things. Where does that come from? Where does the desire to, because it'd be much easier to go to the co-op or go to cisco or gfs or one of the big guys and say hey can you just drop off you know a box of beets and a couple frozen chickens and
1: no um i'm all about the freshest possible food everyone i believe everyone in this world should at least once Mm -hmm. taste a fresh tomato that was just picked out of a garden that didn't have any plastic over it there's no greenhouse connected Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. because there is absolutely no comparison to from that to what people eat oh for sure so a tomato is just an example of that but i mean the broccoli the onions um i've i mean i've got kohlrabi, I've got fennel, I've got herbs, I I have a whole bunch of things. And as that stuff starts to ripen, mm-hmm. I think, okay, what am I going to do with this? Sometimes I don't know what the menu is until I wake up in the morning. I wake up and I think, that's what I'm going to do with that's that. That's very
0: like European of you, meaning <laughs> uh, I, I spent I spent two years living in the UK and traveled around. I was super blessed and super privileged to be able to do that. Um, and I remember, I remember going to like small hole in the wall places in Paris. And it was just that, like you would literally see the chef writing with chalk in the morning, like, Oh, this is what, or the what, whatever was dropped off from the farmers or from the bakers or whoever that would dictate the menu for the day.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I do. I write it out. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I'm in the kitchen, when we're actually running the restaurant, um, right before the service, I have to back time it because Like reverse, reverse engineer it it so that I know when does the fish have to go in? When does this need to be, you know, cooked? When does this need to be finished? Because we do the six courses Mm -hmm. and because I change the menu, um, (laughs) it's some, I, I have to back time it. I, I have to work it all out. So the girls will see me bent over the counter going, okay, (laughs) this needs to happen here or this course is going to be late. Um, We start our dinners at six and they usually end around, depends on how many people are here. Mm -hmm. Um, If we have a full house, which is 20, they usually end around between 9.30 and 10. If we have 15, 14 less, you know, 9 or 9.30. So it's important that everything is
0: tick tock. Tick tock.
1: And the thing that usually slows us down are the wood fired pizzas, because I can only put one pizza in there at a time. Um, but other than that, I, I break it out in my head and figure out how it's all going to happen. And that kind of happens at the beginning of the menu as well. Oh, for sure. And after I've done the menu a couple of nights, it's easy. Normal restaurants do the same menu all the time. Yeah. So every time I switch a menu, it becomes difficult, more difficult, yeah. until I get used to how everything has to play out and like i told you a couple of weeks ago it was very very hot here yeah. so i ended up having to use the wood-fired pizza <sighs> oven to cook everything for a couple of which nights challenging. which i'd never done before
0: but what a cool <laughs> what a cool way to cook though right yes what saying. absolutely so help me understand why you're doing this and why and why you're doing this meaning why are you taking the time and effort to create what you're creating and why are you running a restaurant like this were you a cook in your past life do you chef no, do you no industry
1: uh no I've I've never run a restaurant before okay um so, uh, but I've eaten at some very very good restaurants okay so each time I've eaten at a restaurant I've kind of carried what's what works what doesn't like you work you downloaded
0: some information from them and yeah in my yeah, brain yeah.
1: and I carried it with me mm-hmm. like a restaurant is only as good as its food and its servers. You can have the best food in the world, but if your servers aren't, aren't good, yep. it takes away from the experience. And you can have the worst food in the world, but you can have the best servers. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't work. You mm-hmm. need, it's, it's a... Congruency. That's right. And when I first opened, um, I had some different servers. Um, everybody was raving about the food. And then I got a couple of new girls working here. And all of a sudden, I was hearing about how good the servers were
0: Mm.
1: and the food. Mm -hmm. And after the second night, I thought, you know what? I've got some good servers now that are good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. And people, they're very... You have to be. You have to have a certain personality to be a yeah. good server.
0: I, I've been saying a lot. I don't know why, but I've been saying je ne sais quoi a lot lately. There needs to be a certain <laughs> je ne sais quoi about, yeah. about this whole industry. That's right. You can't see it, touch it, taste it, feel it. Actually, you can, you can feel it. It's like an energy thing. Yeah. But to that point in regards to uh, good service or great service, great food, bad service, good food, all those dichotomies that we see in this industry, um, I actually would challenge it a bit. In that um, I, as someone who is like deeply immersed in this industry, like deeply, when I go into a place, like I'm like everything from the temperature in the room to the music, to okay. so, all that stuff. Like I, I'm, okay. I'm like you, I download it all. Yep. I don't need for the food to be incredible. I want it to be. Really? I do want it to be, but I don't need it to be. But what I need to be is taken care of. I can cook a really good meal. Okay. I can can hold my own in the kitchen. I'm not not a chef, but I can cook. Okay. So when I go out, I'm not looking for, if they are, if my socks are blown off with the food, that's a bonus. What I'm looking for is to be taken care of. That for me is what hospitality is. Okay. Because I can go buy an amazing piece of beef and go cook it myself at home. Okay. Right? When I go out, for me personally, I'm looking for like you said, that like you have those staff members that just go that extra mile or you have the operator like yourself who thinks of those little pieces that maybe you're not even conscious of, but yep. they're impacting your, Okay. but I, I, I'm, I'm proud of you that you are saying, <laughs> you know what we're doing? We're doing, we're doing it all. I'm going to knock your socks off with the food and I'm going to knock your socks off with the service.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm hoping we do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure you will. And like I was saying, before we turned the mics on, I was so impressed by what you were saying just in regards to like the paradigm you see your menu through, the paradigm you see your food through. And it, it almost seems impossible for it not to be good with the care that you're putting into just the consideration. Yeah. Like it's the, the products you're using, the approach you're taking, Like it can't not be.
1: Right. And the other thing that we uh, strive for here is zero food waste.
0: Mm, yeah, you mentioned it on the phone. Yeah, we have, amazing.
1: We have very little, if any, food waste here. When I'm prepping in the kitchen, everything that you know would be considered uh, food waste um, goes to the pigs. So right. ends of carrots, something that I can't use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have zero food waste at the front end, and because. I, I sometimes do give too much food on plates. <laughs> that is my downfall. But we have very little food come back. Right. And I cut off reservations the day before if we aren't booked. So the morning of the service, I know exactly the quantity. how many pieces, if we do fish, I know exactly how many pieces of fish I need. Mm-hmm. I know exactly how many pizza doughs I have to make so i only make what i need although i do usually make one extra pizza dough just in case something well yeah in case you burn one wrong. or drop one on the yes. ground
0: or you never know just in case yes yeah, but
1: yeah so we have uh, very little food waste here that's very responsible and of you. we don't hold food i don't hold alcohol and i don't hold food right. so we only have what we have and then the next service i go out and i do it all over again i pick everything up in the morning I only pull what I need out of the garden, and I don't store anything.
0: So, what's your mise en place like? Is it almost non-existent? Are you just kind of cutting and cooking right away, or are you yes. are you yes. mise, are you doing any mise en place like the day of, like 9 a.m. in the morning? You're cutting shallots and chopping garlic. Yes. Oh, so you are doing some mise yep. in preparation.
1: Oh yeah, and I usually make the soup. I try and make the soup the day before, just because I find it tastes better. Oh if hell it yeah. sits. Yeah. Um, so I don't. If we do a soup, I make the soup the day before. Um, but if you're going to eat, um, tomorrow, we're going to have a kohlrabi and fennel yeah. slaw. That'll be coming out of the garden probably around one o'clock or two o'clock. Amazing. So it is fresh,
0: fresh, fresh. Would you be cool? And don't, don't feel like I'm putting you on the spot here cause the microphone's on. Would you be cool if I came early tomorrow <laughs> and like took some video and took some photos and stuff? That'd yep. be okay. Yep. I actually was, I, I was going to ask you, I don't, I don't even know what my schedule is tomorrow. But I was going to ask you like, can I come and help? Like, I'd love to like dig something for you or, but I'd also sure. wanna, I also don't want I also don't want to get in the way.
1: Yeah. No, you, you wouldn't be able to get in the way if you want to come and help. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah.
0: Let's we can talk, we can talk yeah, after absolutely. the interview. I'm just super intrigued to see you execute this because it, it is so cool. And as I look to my right, uh, guys, <laughs> if you, if you're listening, if you're listening to the audio version of this, go hop over to YouTube as well. You can have kind of a peek into, um, what, what table number is this? Do we number our tables or no? No, the because table the every middle. night they change. Oh right.
1: So we have we never have numbers because uh, like tomorrow night we have a group of nine. Um, the last time we were open, I think we had these were all twos, okay. and then we had a group of four and a couple of. I, I, I it changes every night.
0: So we're sitting at a table that would have been a table of four in what is like the dining room of this space, and then I'm looking out the window. To my right, and I see three or four chickens, and I see a beautiful St. Bernard. Yes, and, that's Lila. Oh.
1: <laughs> and yeah. a lot of times, she has a chicken on her back.
0: Oh my God, are you serious?
1: <laughs> I'm serious,
0: yes. Was Lila a purchase when you purchased the property? Did she come with no, you? No,
1: Lila was my oldest son wanted Lila. Oh, okay. And so I let him get Lila, and then he went away to college. So
0: come I on, kind son. of, yeah. I you adopted. <laughs> I adopted
1: Lila. And she actually was my travel companion. When I first moved here, I traveled back and forth to Ontario quite a few times, okay. And she traveled with me. now she's she's quite old right now. Like she's I think she's ten. And that's a that's She's a pretty big age for a Saint Bernard. They yeah. don't live that long, so she can't get in and out of the car anymore. Oh, so okay. she can't travel. But well, um, she seems
0: pretty content over there with their chickens. She, right she now, she
1: just sleeps all the time. But just having her there, you know, kind of deters. There's a lot of foxes here. There's a lot of coyotes here. Right. And as soon as you get uh, chickens, or yeah, uh, then.
0: Yeah, no, get some water. Uh, you know what? If I was just going to actually say, as you were describing that, the chickens, I know you just uh, sent a bunch out to get processed last week or first thing this week. Last week? Last week. Um. It's what is it? Monday. Yeah, Monday. Um, I <coughs> sat down with uh, a chicken farmer, a Jill, a Jill Azanza from K&M Farms in BC. <laughs> Jill, if you're listening. Oh, you okay? Okay. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh. sherry's sherry's having some issues um jill azanza she runs uh, k and farms in abbotsford bc okay. and they're a like a completely um i don't know how to say it they basically raise chickens where you're supposed to raise chickens right uh they don't touch anything like the chickens just live outside and That's she's these ones did. and she is committed to leaving it that way even though she knows that she's gonna lose she's some. gonna lose some and it's cool she was showing me yep. um showing me how she can tell what the prey was uh sorry the predator was part of me uh so she could tell if it was an owl oh, because okay. the chicken carcass the body will still be there but the brain will be gone Oh, the okay. owls just take the brain. Sorry, guys, okay. if you're like sensitive to this stuff, but this is just Mother Nature. <laughs> yes. And she can tell, like, when a hawk or an eagle comes and just there's just like a, a circle of feathers and nothing else. Right. Um, or a fox. Or coyote. a fox does yeah. the same thing. You just yeah. see
1: the, a big clump of feathers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly how I raise these ones. They, I, My backyard is fenced in, it's about an acre with dog fencing. It was like that when I bought this place. Okay. And. Um, I have some hens, like mm-hmm. egg-laying hens. Yeah. And when I got the meat bird chicks, I actually had them around the corner on the porch because they were day olds and I had to make sure that nothing got them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they went into the hen house for a few days and then from there they went into the backyard when I thought they were big enough that, well, the other chickens wouldn't kill them or, you know, eagles yeah. or something wouldn't get them. And I fed them just a very small amount of the food in the morning, and a very small amount. And so they lived on
0: bugs and insects, butterflies. And, yeah. No, not
1: poop. Um, they, I mean, the whole backyard is just grass. Oh wow! So they never. They're not know, eating. If they were in a small confined area, then yes, yeah. they would have been pecking where they
0: were pooping. I was thinking like other poop, like other no. like no. No, no, oh, well.
1: very, uh, apples. There's uh, apple trees back there. I'm so some that. early apples fell. So they were eating apples That's so and cool. very natural, uh, no antibiotics, none of that. And they lived a, a very good life. Yeah. They really did live a good life.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And it's cool that you That's
1: important. Not only, not only what it tastes like and, um, the whole process mm. uh, or the end process, it's, you know, they lived a good life. They yeah. got up when they wanted to. They went outside. They had a shelter to live in and when they felt it's time to get up, they went out and started eating. And when they wanted to go to bed, they went to bed. They you know had clean water all the time and um, they, they were, were just they were happy. They were just being chickens. That's they something that's something I learned
0: chickens. learned from Jill was you wanna see birds like chickens, uh, geese, turkeys yep. doing bird-like things. That's right. And if they're not, that's when you know they're, they're stressed or they're not in the right environment. So you that's want to right. see them dust bathing and doing all those things that <laughs> yes, birds do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, see, I, I got educated on chickens. It was good. <laughs> um, uh, talk to me about uh, challenges. What has been like the steepest learning curve for you? I still haven't been able to pull out of you like what you did before this or why like all of a sudden you decided to open up a restaurant. I will get there eventually. But what has been... In deciding to open up a restaurant, deciding to run a business out of, I'm assuming you live here as well, out of your home. Yes, upstairs. So what have been? What has been the steepest learning curve for you?
1: Well, I think this year, obviously COVID. Right. Um, we didn't open, like, I, I don't know what the actual date was when they said restaurants could open. We didn't open for about two weeks after that date um, because I wanted to uh, get the porch outside done so that we had extra social distancing room mm-hmm. uh for tables um but that didn't work out because it rained at five to six both nights we were going to use oh the my porch. god of course yeah. of so course. that didn't work out for us but um it was a good idea <laughs> <laughs> um so i think covid this year has been our biggest challenge like
0: a roadblock chokehold a
1: roadblock i think and i think um not just for the for us as a restaurant mm-hmm. But for the people who came to the restaurant, mm. I noticed in the beginning when we first did open up, reopen, people were just sitting and talking about COVID. I know, it's, and it gets I thought, pretty boring. I was in the kitchen thinking, oh, that is not what I want. I do not want people to come here. This is not my plan. To have people come and talk about COVID all night. That is not an experience. That is yeah. that is not what you're how trying to I do. see my, mm-hmm. my restaurant as... As running. Yeah. And um, then about a month ago, I was, I don't know what course I was on, but I could hear a whole big group of people out here sitting at different tables, interacting and laughing a deep laugh where you know their shoulders are shaking. They're <laughs> laughing so hard. And I thought, there you it is. It. You did it. It's back. Yeah. And it, it's not, it was nothing I did. I think people have become a little more. There, people are starting to get used to living this way. Right. And I think in the beginning, people were a little leery about eating out and sure. being around people and how that... But they wanted to do it, but I think they still... It was in the back of our heads, you know?
0: Yeah, oh, definitely.
1: And I, I know it still is, but I think people are starting to get used to it and think, you know what, this is, this is how it is yeah. and I'm going to make the best of it Exactly. and they're making the best of it. So I've, I've definitely seen a note, uh, a difference over the past month of how people are, they're enjoying themselves more
0: yeah i think it's just a mindset thing a mentality but also when you said you didn't do anything i i I would challenge that and say you did again maybe subconsciously you just you didn't allow for that to become the energy that you gave off you weren't constantly thinking and stressing about covid you were thinking about how can i make this experience the best from the food to the service so if that was your focus and they're going to pick up on that from the kitchen all the way to the floor right yeah here. you're you're right i think right? It, absolutely that's something i i was in a bakery this morning uh, on my way here and i didn't see the sign when i walked in <laughs> but i saw it when i walked out and the sign said uh be aware of the energy you're bringing into this place Oh, okay and i absolutely love that i think that's so nice and so well put because at times with my clients um, I always steal from Danny Meyer. Have you read Setting the Table by Danny Meyer? No. I'm gonna get you that book as a thank you for your time. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, every everyone in the industry needs to read it. Any industry needs to read uh, that book. Danny Meyer is an incredible restaurateur an incredible operator. But he talks about skunking in in his restaurants and how it's he won't. Skunking. I'm gonna get to that. Oh, so okay. he won't he won't allow skunking in his restaurants. And skunking is, um with his staff, he won't allow for people to come in to work and bring in any baggage from their life while okay. he's sensitive to the fact that everyone has lives outside of work. You leave it there. Yeah. Leave it at the door. Yeah, but I thought the the way that this sign w- was uh, written was so eloquently put and done in such a nice, tasteful way. So it wasn't like, it wasn't leave your crap at the door. It was, please be very aware of the energy you bring in this space. So when Danny Meyer talks about skunking, he says, as much as it doesn't it matters what happens outside of these four walls, but it doesn't right now. And I can't have you bringing an in energy into my business right. uh, that is counterproductive to what we're trying to achieve. So be very aware when you're stepping on the floor, greeting guests, even cooking the food, right? Right, That is going to come through. And what we're trying to do here, like you said, when you're sitting in there and you hear that, those those stories being shared, and it's counterintuitive to what you want to have done, it's just like, ah, that's not what we're going for here. Right. But, it, but it'd be very difficult for you to come out and be like, excuse me, uh, can you please stop talking about COVID? <laughs> <Can> <laughs> but you I wanted to do that. Yeah. I you, wanted
1: to come out and say, listen, talk about COVID somewhere else. I want you to enjoy your experience. And I know you're not enjoying your experience yeah. when you're talking about and you COVID. And you could
0: have done that because I feel like you could, you of all people could do that you probably would have done it in a very tasteful way <laughs> that would have come across, it would have come across cr- politely. Um, and maybe they would have respected it. Maybe they wouldn't, who knows, right. but it's nice that you're able to now reflect back and go, you know what? I have seen that shift and I think we're seeing it, uh, in all parts of our lives right now. Everyone's, everyone understands that. Yes, it's a very serious thing. And yes, there are a lot of negative ramifications from this, but there's also a bunch of positive stuff coming from this as well. Like the amount of, the amount of local businesses, local farms that are now, seeing massive upswings in their business right. because of this, the the focus on local for me has never been bigger. And I think that is such a positive from all of this. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a great way as much as, as much as I'm sure you would love to have uh, a demographic from BC and Ontario and Texas and Florida, and all those places. Like how cool is it to have people from Sackville, New Brunswick and Annie Ganesh and yep, different absolutely. parts of the, or absolutely. Newfoundland. So there's, yep. uh, there's positives as well. Uh, let's take a quick, pause, reset the cameras and come right back. I'm going to get Sherry to finish the one sentence that I've been asking everyone on this trip and I know she'll (laughs) do great. So hang on guys, we'll be be right back. Okay guys, we are back and uh, our hair looks great, both of us and we're fully hydrated, which is good um so sherry the reason i've come on this trip to cape breton is because i've been away like we talked about i've been away for 15 years so much has changed in this part of our province but our province as a whole uh, while i've been away but so much has stayed the same And one thing i think that has stayed the same is the people are still so genuine and so sincere and so kind absolutely what was it like for you coming from out of province to now calling this place home walk us through that process um,
1: it was really, really easy. Everybody, um, welcomed me. I've got uh, lots of friends on the road that, you know, I have over for dinner. I go there for dinner, um, which I really didn't do in Ontario. I kind of stayed, maybe it's cause my children were, were younger or I had a couple of friends, but I really didn't interact with any of the neighbors. Um, and I lived pretty, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, which is kind of where I live now. So that didn't wasn't different. It was just, I think, just the people.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it?
1: It is. It's very interesting. It's
0: almost. It's difficult to put a finger on it. What it is about Nova Scotia and the people, but it is. It's like a palpable thing. Yep. It's. It's. It, it, for me, like I said, coming back, it's. It's so. It's so nice to realize that something like that hasn't changed. But talking about what has changed and what will, like, where, what have you seen shift since you've been here and calling this province home, that is like worth mentioning has there been anything that you like whether it be say something in the food scene with people's tastes or priorities like what have you seen happen or is it kind of just the same same old same old
1: um well I've been here for about three years I would say definitely the uh, local food movement is really I'm I know it's been gearing up for Years, but yeah. I think with COVID and this year, it really took off. A lot of people, they had the scare that there wasn't going to be any food, you know? <laughs> so a lot of people grew food that have never grown food before. Never planted a seed in their life. Never planted a seed. Um, people grew chickens that never yeah. done that before. So I think the local food movement really, really took off this year.
0: Yeah, which is never a bad thing.
1: Never a bad thing. So that was one good thing that came out of yeah exactly talking about positives yeah if for you sure. want to look at something that was positive, that would be it.
0: yeah, I totally agree yeah it's 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 given people hopefully and this is a general sweeping statement but a, a new appreciation for what it takes to put a, a, a meal together on a plate
1: and how much work goes into that food that you're eating People mm-hmm. don't get it. They go to the grocery store they put the tomato in the bag. And those people that did buy those seeds and actually, you know, had to water and, and nurture and care, nurture for. and yeah. maybe fail. I think yeah. I, I, a lot of people don't fail these days. Failure is something that happened years ago. People, they don't fail as much as they used to. And I yeah. think when you grow things, like whether it's an animal or food, failure is imminent. <laughs> yeah. Failure is always waiting for you.
0: And I also think patience is, is such an important thing that we don't necessarily practice a lot today, but that for me is such a uh, appropriate analogy when it comes to growing your own food. Absolutely. Like you plant a seed. It doesn't it, just it happen doesn't, overnight. Yeah. And that's, that, that to me comes up, and uh, that analogy comes up so much in the work that I do. It uh, comes up in my personal life as well. Like There, there needs to be a, a commitment to the process and understanding that it just doesn't happen. But if you want something really special, if you want something in your you life or on your it. plate, you have to wait for it and you have to keep moving. working at it. You have to keep moving. You can't stop. Absolutely. And that's yeah. something as well, I think is such an important message that people can take from harvesting, growing and then harvesting their own food is like, yeah, it, it takes a lot, but man, is it ever worth it? Like that's the, right. The Abs- high you get off of that gorgeous tomato that you helped facilitate grow from yeah. a seed into this beautiful edible Pulling piece. a fennel bulb out of the, yeah. out of the and ground. and seeing how big it is. Digging and...
1: potatoes out of the ground. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. And you know, you have pride. I grew that. Yeah. that's. I felt that when I picked up my chickens.
0: <laughs> I bet you did. I
1: grew those chickens. Yeah. I got them when they were a day old and I grew them.
0: And now they're going to feed other people and other families. That's, right. that's that's so cool. And I know,
1: f- I know that they are going to be the best chicken that they've had. They Those chickens oh, for had sure great diets and the the meat will be
0: exceptional exceptional yeah and don't throw the bones out use the use the carcass make a soup that's right make a stock do something chicken stock absolutely uh something not to talk about jill and and canine farms again but i think it's an appropriate story she was saying how um we were talking about food shortage and we were all going down this path of of food scarcity and she was saying how uh her friends uh, she has a few friends that are from africa and how she knows when she watches someone eat a chicken bone, who has lived a privileged life and who hasn't? And she was saying her friends from Africa, when they eat the chicken that she raises, they finish everything, cartilage, everything. everything. Whereas they have some white guy like me, this who had a privileged life. It's like, oh, I don't want to eat the cartilage <laughs> and the fat, and just and there's still so much <laughs> value left on it. Whereas, yes. whereas others are almost like eating the actual bone. That's right. And I think when when we are more attached to to our food, understanding how it was produced, where it came from, you're less likely to just, you know, You have more waste. respect for it. Yeah, You go, respect
1: the process, so yeah. you respect what you end up with and exactly. what you are eating.
0: And full circle to what you're doing here at Gra, with, like you said, you have very little food wastage. And I think that is is an appropriate homage to the land, an appropriate homage to the work that you yourself have put in. You're like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not just going to be Willy nilly with this. Like, I know what I need. I'm going to use what I need. And that is that. Yep,
1: absolutely. And even just growing the food. I had to say to myself in the spring, how much food am I actually going to grow? Like, am I going to open this year? Right. I don't know if I'm going to open this year. (laughs) I want to have a garden, but am I going to open? So, my garden is not as big as it was last year because I didn't know if I was going to
0: be doing what you're doing, use the food. Mm -hmm.
1: And I mean, I could sell the food, but. I didn't know if I wanted to get into going you know, to markets, doing and do all it. that yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. So my garden's not as big, but it's, it's plenty big enough for what I need
0: this yeah. year. That's so cool. I so. love that. That's awesome. I can't wait to have a look at it as well. I'm going to definitely poke my nose around uh, before I head out. Uh, so the question, the, sorry, the sentence I've been asking everyone that I've sat down with so far to finish for me is this Cape Breton is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Cape Breton is, Um, well, Cape Breton is, in my opinion, and what I felt when I came here, because I had never, I'd never, I had never been to Cape Breton before I flew in and crossed that bridge. Cape Breton is one of the most beautiful places in the world, without a doubt. When I crossed that bridge and I seen that view, I said, turn right, because this is where I'm going to live. This is in my head. This is where I'm going to live. Wow. So that is, Cape Breton is, without a doubt, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I've been to Italy, Spain, um, Mexico. I've been to a lot of different countries, but none of them really compare. I mean, Positano, Italy. This this place is as beautiful, if not more beautiful.
0: Yeah, we're so lucky, are we not? We
1: are so lucky. Yeah, so lucky.
0: And to be able to do what you're doing, here.
1: To me, you know, if I had a choice to go to BC or here, I mm. would go here.
0: Well, that's why I I'm would here. go. I yeah. would
1: definitely live here. I have you. I I have the same seafood coming out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, here, and I think the people. Um, Add a little bit to that. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. Um, I've been to BC a couple of times, but I would definitely, if I had the choice to make again, I would live here.
0: Yeah. In it's, a heartbeat. I've I've said it a couple of times uh, during this, this week that there are so many things here that are world class. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, just even driving down the street as I drove past your place and then past it again and then past <laughs> it one more time, um, I was looking across <laughs> the water at the white cliffs. And I was just like, that... Where else in the world do you see that? And where else is it so accessible? Like it's it's right there. That's right. Do you know what I mean? It's right there. And there's a little I when I drove past your property, uh, there's a little bridge that you go over or like a little Oh, yes. Yes. It's almost like you're in the ocean. It's That's so right. low. It's yes. it's it's amazing. And you
1: see cars parked down there. They got you know, they have their kayaks and they're out kayaking and who who knows. They probably live 40 minutes away or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um no, it's the the, the everything about this place is is stunning it's stunning
0: yeah for me it's it's such an accessible place still and i wonder if we want for it to be more discovered or are we wanting to keep it to ourselves um
1: i think i think we want it to be discovered yeah um, and I think because of COVID, I think a lot, you know, everybody talks about the staycations this mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are exploring not just Cape Breton, but you know, the Atlantic provinces that maybe didn't, maybe they went elsewhere in, in the past.
0: Right. Go to Carolina or go to Toronto or, or wherever. Yeah. 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 No, I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in there's, there's no sense of having <coughs> something If you can't share it. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, well, well, I think we want to try and hang on to the mystique and the beauty that is, you know, Nova Scotia beaches and the highlands and all these things. But man, I say come one, come all like that in the the true Nova Scotian way. Welcoming. Yeah. Like let's open our doors, open our arms and just say like, yeah, you're brothers and sisters. So come and enjoy our space.
1: Yeah. And enjoy the views and everything that Cape Breton has to offer.
0: Yeah. The food. Yeah. The food is incredible. It is. I'm learning. It's not just and I knew this intuitively, but it's not just fish and chips. It's not just fried food. Like there's so much more going on. There's some great, great young talent uh, in this uh, part of the province as well as doing some really cool things that I look forward to seeing talking about. 15 years ago like look at what's ahead 15 years like what could gra be 15 years from now you know what i mean like there's so much potential
1: right i hope it's still small and intimate i i don't i don't want it to become a
0: no we're not like a, we're not gonna do like a 300 seat restaurant no, no i want
1: it to stay pretty much how it is but i want I, it, I want it to stay intimate i want it to be i want people in 15 years to still walk through that door mm-hmm and feel like they're not walking into a restaurant; they're walking into a their grandparents' farmhouse or.
0: My guess, my guess, in fifteen years, they'll be walking in, but they'll have to wait three hours <laughs> in a line to get well, in here.
1: No, because I can only hold so many people. So. maybe we
0: do like a little. We have like a, we build a hut on the side, and we do. <laughs> Uh, like we'll sell pizza by the slice or something. Well, or I knows. have
1: thought about getting a, an old silo, a metal silo, yeah. and turning that into sort of See, some sort of you, you know extra space. Out there. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? who knows? So
0: there is. I think I think there will be some inevitable growth. I think for me, uh, having just met you and not not having experienced the service yet, uh, f- for me, my wish is that yeah, nothing changes, but doesn't stay the same. Meaning, no. meaning everything just gets more refined to your vision in your right. mind like the service just gets better and better the food just gets better and better yeah, your absolutely. your ability to work with your terroir that you have here just gets even better so the tomatoes are awesome now but my god they're going to be like the best tomatoes in 15 years do you know what yeah. I mean
1: Yeah. and things change seasonally yeah here like last year I had a full uh, tree full of cherries this year I have no cherries on the tree so For whatever reason, I don't know if the blossom it was full of blossoms. I don't know if they got hit with a frost or what happened, but just changes like that changes my menu. I had it last year. I won't have it this year.
0: And that's all again. That's just learning, right?
1: That's right. And things that I can't control.
0: That is huge. (laughs) Understanding what isn't in your control and what is some
1: things I cannot control. And that is just life and that is okay and that is okay so Uh, i will i will have and maybe i have something different this year that i didn't have last year yeah i'll have i have blackberries you know raspberries um gonna have lots of apples things yeah i may have something different this year
0: i love it i love i love your ability to seemingly just go with it um well
1: when you're when you when you have a farm And you have animals you just go with it (laughs) it's it's not up to you it's not up to me you just go with it you're
0: dealing (laughs) you're dealing with everyone's mother which is mother nature and that's right the moment you start to disagree with mother nature she'll quickly correct you and say "Uh, excuse me uh i'm the one that decides how this all goes and she
1: did that last year when we had the hurricane go through yeah exactly absolutely she says
0: smarten up everybody she said that's it we're you know (laughs) yeah we're hitting we're hitting reset (laughs) Um, speaking of control and no control, you do have control over this. I have two questions for you that I've asked every single guest and we're on two years plus of recording these episodes, one every week. So I'm super proud of that. Okay. Um, but the questions are these, uh, so it's called the half a dozen hospitality podcast. Okay. So I have for you, Sherry, uh, the half a dozen have twos and the half a dozen haven't yet. Stay with me here. Okay. So I need from you. One to six. You can do one thing, or you can do six things you've experienced in your life that you feel like our listeners have to do. Meaning, grow your own tomatoes. Meaning, uh, support local. Mean a book you've read, a trip you've taken, you talked about some of the restaurants you've been to all over the world. One to six things that you feel like our listeners have to do.
1: Um. I probably will just go with one. And I believe everyone should know how to grow their own food. I like it. Everyone. I, I believe it should be taught in the schools.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even at a young age, everyone should know how to grow their own food. And there is a lot of people that don't know how to grow their own food.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it gives them, we already discussed this, a greater appreciation of the food they buy and the food they eat when they realize how much work goes into it.
0: Or the food they don't eat that sits in their fridge, goes bad, and they throw it out.
1: Or the processed food that they eat. Eek. You know? Yeah. So I believe everyone should know how to grow their own food.
0: Get some dirt in your fingernails, people.
1: Get your hands dirty. Whether get your kids' hands dirty. Yeah.
0: And whether you're a vegetarian or a vegan or a omnivore or whatever you are.
1: Everyone will eat something yeah. grown in a garden.
0: Exactly. Uh, the last one I have for you then is the half a dozen haven't yet. So same idea but kind of a bucket list, if you will. So I need one to six things that you've yet to experience. So Sherry Swift's haven't yet.
1: Huh. Um, geez, what do I want to do? <laughs> I'm one of those people that if I have it in my head, I just do it.
0: <laughs> like moving to Cape Breton and buying a farm. That's right. Yeah. Or
1: waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to open a restaurant.
0: Or or the day of making the menu. That's right. Right.
1: Um, what would I... That's a tough one for me. Um. Well, I've always wanted to own water buffalo so that I can okay. make my own water buffalo I need mozzarella.
0: To, I need to introduce you to my friend uh, Matt in BC. We did. Uh, we I do a charity dinner series through my consulting business, and uh, each dinner I do, I, uh, I focus on a different farm okay. and a different charity. And we we did we did water buffalo. We they do both. They do the. The dairy so they do the milk and they harvest the, the meat as well meat. okay and it was just incredible and what beautiful animals too
1: oh absolutely i think that's something that i've had it in the back of my head even when i was looking at this farm mm-hmm. um but then i got busy renovating and doing other things but i think that's something um that i would I would do. Cool. I'd love
0: to put you in touch. It's called Reverend Acres in, in British Columbia. And okay. they're doing awesome stuff. So I'd okay. be more than happy. Just like- Absolutely. Introduction. Say, hey, my Absolutely. friend Sherry. And I
1: was actually contacting different farms. Oh, yeah? You know, probably four years ago. Okay. Um, but I was having, nobody really was into selling, you know, they were still building their herds. Right. And um, because I did go to a water buffalo farm when I was in Italy. Oh, okay. Um, And it was just incredible. I imagine. It was an, an incredible experience. Yeah. Eating the water buffalo mozzarella. It was just freshly made. It was sweet. It's incredible. And um, I always go to, if I do travel through Quebec, I always go to the Atwater Market. To, there's a cheese store there. And they sell um water fresh, buffalo, buffalo. fresh mozzarella, water mozzarella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so i traveling through on my way back i brought some with me and i did pizza and oh
0: <sighs> isn't it so nice just
1: phenomenal if just you guys if it. you guys
0: can afford it and i know it's on it's on everyone's uh you know capabilities but if you can't afford to buy the real like the real stuff even from the real stuff from italy or if you can get it canadian made even better but it is like oh my god it's luxurious it is it is there yeah.
1: it's sweet it does not it i mean it's i, I understand it's mozzarella cheese but yeah. comparison wise to anything you've ever tried there's no. just no comparison it
0: takes any pizza I to, mean, to a, a you level I mean? you
1: can never hit unless yeah. you have that mozzarella on the cheese exactly much yeah, yeah. it's Unreal. Yep.
0: Uh, I want to say thank you so much sherry for making time for me like i said off the top it is the most valuable thing that we have you are extremely busy so i appreciate you making time for me and the listeners it means the world and i want to say uh although we've just met we have shared this conversation we've shared some microphones and i, I consider you to be a friend so if there's anything i can do to help you in your process i'm more than willing and happy to do it to fly the Gra flag And if you guys are looking to find out more about Sherry and her restaurant here, the best way to do that is?
1: Uh, Well, we have a website. Mm -hmm. So it's www.earth2tabledining, island.ca. Okay. Um, And you can um, have a look at, you know, pictures of our food that we've uh, served. Um, We have a link to uh, TripAdvisor. We have... Really good reviews on TripAdvisor. We don't have a lot yet, but we're new. So we're building. We're building. Yeah. um, And you can book a reservation on there, and there's a contact form. If you have questions, you Mm -hmm. can contact me through the website um, via email. And yeah.
0: Perfect. Um, That's it, guys. That's Sherry. I am Brad. (laughs) This is the half a dozen hospitality podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in as you do week after week. If it wasn't for you guys, the show would not exist. I love and appreciate you all. Um, Any last words, Sherry, or is that it? You're good.
1: No, I just wanted to say thank you for contacting me. And um, this is my first podcast. So I hope
0: (laughs) you did awesome. You did an amazing job. Um, And guys, I'm going to be lucky enough to be coming here tomorrow night uh, for dinner. I'm super excited about that. So stay tuned for an update on what that was like. I'm sure it'll be amazing.
1: I'm hoping it will be. It will I'm, be. I'm sure it will be, it but will I'm be. hoping. <laughs> it will be.
0: I know I know it will be. Um <laughs> thanks again guys for tuning in. Thank you Sherry and uh thank you to the gras Space for hosting us in this podcast. You know what to do until next time guys. Be good and do good. That's it. We did it. Thank you. Well done. You did so thank well. You. <laughs> thank you. You were. A